Hello everybody, welcome to the MC Real Estate Podcast. I'm here with Lorenza and we are super excited that you're over here with us today. Good morning everybody, thanks for listening. So today we are going to run through the questions that we received from last week's video, which was all about where are you receiving your fees and conflicts of interest and the importance of that. Great. Yes. Um, I think it is a really important topic and perhaps, you know, a lot of people don't, um, they actually just don't have enough facts and they don't understand really what the difference is between, you know, these regulated firms and unregulated firms. Um, so yeah, here I am to, to bring a few of the questions and comments that were made by, um, by the people who watched your video and, um, yeah, really want to get into this. this yeah, it's a very important topic as well. And I think it's something that you're right, a lot of people don't know about. And there is a lot of information out there, which really contradicts what I'm about to say. So it could be also incredibly confusing for people who um, have heard it one way, and they've been taught that they should be accepting this or this within the property industry and then for me to go against the grain and say this is actually probably quite out there but let me tell everybody who's listening all the information I get is through the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors and I they are so on ethics and morals and doing things right and making sure that clients get the best services from their surveyors Um, and as part of our training we have to go through all of this and every year we have to sign off to say that we make sure that we're not dealing with conflicts of interest and everything is laid out it's transparent it's very ethically correct and I think that sets us apart from other unregulated firms but it's not everybody who does this Um, But it's just something that people need to be aware of because all I want is for everybody who's in the property industry to get the best service from the people they're employing. That's all this is about. So don't think that I'm putting anybody else down because ultimately you make the choice of who you want to work with. I am just giving you pointers of what I know and what I'm taught and how that applies to your property business, basically. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, you have, you know, in your video, you really spoke with a lot of conviction. Um, and, you know, there's got to be a reason for that. Mm. Um, I don't think it's just a pure sales pitch. You know, there is, you know, real intention. And I think, you know, you honestly do believe in what you're saying, which yeah. makes, which really makes, you know, a client, a potential client think twice. Um you know, whether to go with a, a regulated firm or unregulated and what are the consequences. Yes. So let's have a little look. Um, one of the points that came up were um, that in your video, you were saying that a person cannot act impartially when taking fees from a landlord and the buyer or investor. So the question is, could you give an example of this double dealing or double dipping, as you call it, and how it would uh, negatively affect both the landlord and the investor. Okay, so let's let's put it this way. Lorenzo, say you're the person in the middle. You're the middleman. You have decided that um, I am an investor looking to buy, and I've come to you and gone, Lorenzo, I want you to find me a property. I am going to pay you fees of X amount, please can you go out there and find me a property which covers all of these different requirements that I want for the next property in my portfolio. Oh, and I want the best possible price. So I want the lowest price. I don't want 
the price that you're going to find me on the you know the advertised market I want you know the special price for me because you've gone out there and you've worked hard and you've found me this real good discount fabulous yes. and then you have gone oh yeah okay I'll work with you you've taken my fees um, and then you've gone to a landlord who is selling a property and you've said to them oh I've got interested investors who would really like to buy your property um, if you give me some money I can introduce you to them so obviously the the person who is selling will then go to you oh great but make sure that you are getting me the most amount you possibly can for this property and you just go yeah yeah that's fine of course I'll get you the most amount possible and so almost you're then acting in completely conflicting ways so you are trying to get the most amount of money for the person who's selling the property but you're trying to get the least amount of money for the person who wants to buy the property and you've taken fees from both parties so then Mm -hmm. in that situation who do you act for yes because you're acting for both parties so how can you negotiate the best deal for your clients if they both want opposite things yes absolutely so Um, so who actually comes out who comes out the winner or who comes out with the greatest benefit here. And what you normally find in these sort of transactions where this happens is that the person in the middle would just go, ah, all right, I'll just agree a deal at this price and tell them that both that that's the best price I can possibly get. So it's not someone acting yeah. impartially for you. It's just somebody who has decided that they want the most fees possible because they believe they're in the know. And I think that is incredibly, incredibly dangerous. Because if you're employing someone for your business, so if I am employing you to go out and find a property for me and I want the best price possible, it's properly upsetting to me if I found out that I didn't get that. And just purely because you wanted a little bit more money from the person Mm. who's selling. And and that's not great because that that person that you've employed then isn't acting in your best interest. And I don't know why you would employ anybody who isn't acting for you i just i don't understand it (laughs) well that's actually part of my next question um yeah so the next question is why would an investor potentially uh choose to go with an um an unregulated firm In in another way what is an unregulated firm's appeal um is there a unique selling point that they will be saving the investor money in the transaction or why would somebody not go um, the perhaps more ethical, perhaps more costly, but more secure and ethical route rather than going with an unregulated firm. So just to clear it up, I don't think all unregulated firms are doing this. I think that it's just something that you come across occasionally in the more, I guess, unethical people who are acting in the property industry. And I, I assume that the reason that uh, landlords would do this or investors would do this is because One, they don't know that this person is taking fees from everywhere because they haven't asked and they haven't known to ask. So it's not it's not something that they've been able to control before. But also it's quite possible that these these type of people are cheaper than people who have who are following the conflicts of interest and not taking it. Um, Because obviously, if you're getting fees just from one party, it may be. And I'm not saying again that this is 100 percent, but it may be that you charge slightly more so that you're getting enough compensation out of a deal that it's worth your time 
um, negotiating on it. Because obviously, as with any business, you're not, if you're spending time, you're going to charge for that time. So they would be looking to get um, value out of it as the investor is. So it's kind of that exchange in value. But I think the reason that this happens is purely because people aren't educated on this and they wouldn't know to ask. So it just happens because they don't realise that they're perhaps not getting some, they're not employing someone who is working impartially for them. And that's a real shame, actually, because you never know how much money you could be losing because of doing this. Yes. So you're saying it's not really um, an act of choice on behalf of a landlord or investor. It's just that um, it's maybe just a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge. Uh, and probably and they the just... Potential. Yes. Sorry, carry on. No, no, just saying, and the potential that you could actually make, you, you don't know what you're losing or how much you, you could have made with, you know, doing it in a different way. Exactly. Um, and I think also they just think it may be the industry norm that this happens and they don't bat an eyelid. But I think we need to start batting an eyelid and standing up to this because it shouldn't happen. And mm. again, if anybody is listening to this and thinks she's wrong, blah, 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 she's, she's just speaking like being all high and mighty about it. I'm not, because if you are seriously doing this and openly doing this, you need to be questioning yourself and thinking, actually, how, how can I possibly act impartially for both the landlord and the seller? And it's, it's a huge problem. And if, you can't, yes. if you're not acting in your client's best interest, why do you have a business? What's the point? You might as well go and rob other people of money. And I know that's an awful thing to say, but it just feels that way. Property it's, mafia. Yeah, exactly. It just feels so underhand and so just not a nice way of dealing with things. And trust me, if anybody comes to me and says that they're doing this, I'm not dealing with you. Like it's end of, unfortunately. Unless you want to yes. change, we won't as a firm. We just we just won't deal with it because how can you act for our clients impartially? How can you act for us impartially? It just doesn't it just doesn't happen. Yes, I think you've made you know you you were, it seemed to be quite a brave move to just say, listen, this is how seriously I take it. You know, um, unsubscribe from my newsletter or. Yeah. And I think that's a that really does show conviction, and that's you know that you really do feel powerfully about this, and and that's really great. I think. Yeah. Um, right. So the next thing is uh, this RICS. Um, is there a standard that the RICS sets for property transaction fees, uh, fees that you're bound to follow, um, and how is this per uh, percentage you earn estimated when you assist an investor in purchasing a property? Um, yeah, that's the question. So fees, fees just have to be fair and reasonable. You've got, you, we've got to charge based on the service that we're offering. Um, and so that doesn't set a percentage in place. It just means that, uh, the service that we're offering, we have to be paid fairly for it and it can't be, um, it can't undercut other surveyors. That's a huge thing. Um, but also it can't be over the top. You have to set a fee that's just about right and you'd probably look to the market for this. Um, and it's also something that you can discuss with, I can discuss it from our with our professional indemnity insurers. We've got to always make sure that we're charging the right sort of fee so that we can offer our clients the best service possible. Because obviously we're going to get picked up on it if we're setting our fees too low 
then we have clients who aren't getting services and they're constantly claiming against us. Nobody yes. wants that to happen. So we, we are told and we are helped set fees along the way that are very reasonable, um, but cover the amount of effort that we're putting in. So there is no set fee, um, but it is just we're getting paid for the value that we add to our clients. Yes, yes, understood. All right. Um, the next thing is, uh, what kinds of inflated claims could an unreg unregulated firm, not all unregulated firms, but some unregulated firms, make in order to sway an investor's opinion? Um, and what could the consequences be of such unsubstantiated claims? I think a lot of it is, I've got the best, I've been, I know this, I know that, blah, blah, blah. It's just bravado. Um, yes. And I think, yes, that works, because if someone's got bravado, then they're probably going to enter into a transaction and actually probably work for you quite hard if they feel like they can talk the talk and get out of it what you need to get out of it. But... Um, you also need to be able to talk to these people and ask them the questions. Ask them questions such as, where are you getting your fees from? And then if they are hesitant about this or they don't disclose or it's just a question they avoid, um, and then they start talking to you about rubbish, about it's none of your business or whatever, I would yes. say don't work with them. You have to have yes. an honest and transparent relationship with everybody you employ and everybody you work with. And if you don't, then again, I question why you're employing them. And I think that's just nature within business. I don't think that's specific to people who are double dipping with fees. I, I think it's just in general, it's a massive business rule. If you can't trust someone, then actually really question why you're paying them money to do a service for you. Yes. Um... Yeah, and really getting those facts. And I think it, it also must have something to do with, the, you know, your gut feeling or um, yes. intuition in a certain way, although that, you know, doesn't sound very factual and something that you can equate. Um, but I think that must come into it. Oh, for definite. Uh, for definite. Yeah. I, I don't think there's... Um, I think if something inside you is like, no, this is wrong, then don't stand yeah. for it, I think. <laughs> like, more often than... Don't what, risk it. Yeah, don't risk it. It wouldn't be yes. worth it. Hmm. Alrighty. Um, another thing I wanted to ask was, um, how do you keep your eyes really peeled for conflicts of interest? Um, this, I think, is kind of continuing the, the gut feel or the intuition question. Um, so how do you keep your, uh, your eyes peeled for conflicts of interest? And how do you make sure that there isn't one going on in your transaction, um, either right in front of your eyes or behind the scenes? Just ask questions. Ask questions of the people in the transaction. Find out where they're getting their fees from. Find out who they are acting for. That's a huge one because sometimes I've even come across it where I've spoken to someone. I'm like, what even is your role in this transaction? You know, what are you doing? Who, why, have you, yes. why are you now in contact with me? And when they have just positioned themselves within a transaction to get fees, that's when you know that they are probably not people that you want to be dealing with. You want to be talking to people who are straight and you want to be asking them the questions and getting straight answers. Um, 
so so be asking questions of everybody who's involved in a transaction you know obviously you've got solicitors who are going to be acting for each side and you've probably got agents who are acting for each side but if there's someone who seems to just be jack of all trades acting for everybody really question what their importance is and how they're helping the transaction and why they're getting fees that's a huge yes. one um so yeah ask the questions what is your role in this transaction and who are you getting your fees from and that should sort it out mm-hmm all right. Um, okay, thanks for that. Uh, the last question I have is, um, are conflicts of interest ever allowed? Um, yes, which would surprise you in okay. this. It will surprise yes. you in this. Um, they are, but very rarely. And so here's the thing that the RICS uh, say. Sometimes when you're working for a big company, um, and this is the likes of the top real estate firms. So you're talking CBRE, Knight Frank, Savills, um, Cushman's, all of those kind of firms. Um, conflicts of interest are allowed, one, if you disclose it to both parties that you're working for and you explain why there's a conflict of interest. So you can say, actually, this person from this department is acting for, say, the seller, and this person in this department is acting for the buyer. And now, if both yes. parties are happy with that, then that's fine. But obviously, it's not the same person within a firm. And the RACS states you put up something called Chinese walls, which means that you almost put a barrier in place so that the two people from the same company who are working on it can't discuss the transaction with each other and they can't, they can't see each other's notes or documents. So it is allowed, but in special circumstances. And, you know, yes. in big firms, it's kind of easy because if they've got uh, different offices all over the city or over the country, then actually chances are those two people aren't going to cross and be able to discuss it. Um, but it just, it wouldn't work, say, in our firm because it's just you and I at the moment. So it would, you know, we couldn't keep things from each other because we see everything that happens. So it's not realistic. And so all you say is, when, if we declare it, which we would have to, say that I, I can't say at the moment, we don't do anything where we would be, we would be in a conflict of interest. But um, say we were taking What's... fees from two parties or that is an accidental situation where that happened. We don't do it. So by the way, anybody who's listening, it's just something we don't do. So we don't even get involved in. But so, say uh, ever arised a situation, we would say to you, look, we can't act for both parties. Um, this is the reason. And we would give the reasons, we'd explain what the transaction was, and we would disclose this to both parties in the transaction. And then okay. what we would say is, Go go back to the ROCS, um, speak to them, and find another surveyor who could act um, in an equal capacity for you. And usually, what would happen is we would take on the first person that approached us because it's not likely that two people are going to approach us at the same time. So that's how we do it fairly. Um, but yeah, so in answer to this question, okay. conflicts of interest are allowed, but really special circumstances, and it's not something here we would even attempt to manage we would just tell both parties what was happening and that one party would have to work with a different firm of surveyors
I see. Okay, very interesting, actually. Um, opening up a whole new world here, and I hope um, I hope our listeners are are really, you know, gaining some valuable information that um, perhaps they've just never heard or, or thought about before. I hope so. I hope so because it should be something that's discussed openly, and I don't see why it shouldn't be. Because if you've employed someone to work for you, then they should be working for you alone. You know. Yes. I, I don't see what the issue is with that. And I've heard podcasts recently which have said, oh, yeah, take, you're the middleman in a transaction to take fees from both parties. That's so incorrect, it's unreal, and it made me so angry listening to it because I just thought, you're, te- you're making this property industry a bad place to work. And unfortunately, <laughs> that is the result of uh, double dipping and being involved in a conflict of interest. You are making this industry untrustworthy and a real bad place to work so I think the more we can stamp this out and the more we can make it um, really ethical transparent make sure that we are working for the right people like we're working for our clients because that's ultimately at the end of the day what we set up in business to do we Mm -hmm. give our clients a service which is best for them that is exactly what we're here to do our clients get the best service from us I want to make sure that by the time that they finish with our services they completely transform their outlook on the property industry and if we haven't done that then there's something that we need to go back to the drawing board and work on again and really improve our service and make sure that they do eventually leave us having that transformation Um, and that's something that I'm dedicated to do we're dedicated to do as a business and I think if all you're out to do is take money from people I just think the property yeah. industry shouldn't be for you. No. All right. So really raising the bar. Yes. <laughs> <Raising> <laughs> the and um, through kind of persistent ethical work, um, perhaps that is actually possible. Yeah, exactly. But I don't want to put a down on it. Let's not leave this. No. Let's not leave this as a downer because I think the property industry is an amazing place. There is so much going on. It's so vibrant. It's awesome because you can get into it at any level and you can really start um, from anywhere. And this is something that we'll be discussing in uh, Wednesday's YouTube video. So if you're a member of our mailing list, you're going to get this information first. And it's who to trust when you enter into the property industry. And I discuss exactly where you need to be looking, what you need, what information you need to gather. And I think listen to that and really take notes from that because again the property industry is so great for the fact that you can do anything within it you know it's really assisting the built environment which is a worldwide thing it's not just in the uk you can do it across the world uh, because there's always demand for space there's so many people living in this world that maybe don't have adequate space and as a property professional your job is to help that and make make a place better and help the industry and build the industry so there is so much room to get into it at every single level so i don't want you thinking that oh my god the property industry is a bad place because of this i am just warning you against the problems that could arise because i want to make sure that you have the best experience in the property industry possible okay great and uh just on the topic of your of your newsletter with the with the video the upcoming video on the wednesday um just uh, go and subscribe on www.ncrealestate.co.uk. Yeah. Um, and um, I think over there you'll also find a link to um, the a Property Investment Mastery Group on Facebook, uh, yeah. which is just building and building, really positive to see so many new contributors on the Facebook group. 
Yes. It's exciting, uh, isn't it? It's doing so it well. Exciting. We love being in there. Both Lorenzo and I are in there on a daily basis <laughs> and we love talking to you. So please come over and join us and ask us questions because we are over there regularly. Great. And is there uh, anything else from your side? I think if you want to get in contact with us at all, um, email us. We're always answering questions. Either email me, which is natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk or email Lorenza, which is property at ncrealestate.co.uk and we will come back to you as quickly as possible. We usually come back to you the same day, don't we, Lorenza? Yep, that's right. We're <laughs> just trying to get that <laughs> as soon as possible. Absolutely. So I think for today, that's it from the podcast, but we love having you over here. Thank you so much for taking your time out of your day and listening to us. We really appreciate it. Great. And uh, yeah, listen to you. Um, yeah, uh, looking forward to next week. Yes, me too. We'll catch up next week. Um, for all of you who have questions on this week's YouTube video, can you get the questions to us by Mondays? Because we record it on a Monday for the podcast to go out on a Tuesday, just so that you know our timescales. But apart from that, we will catch up with you next week. Thank you for coming over and joining us. Have a lovely week. Bye-bye. Have a lovely week. Bye.